0: You know, we pray that God would give us beautiful families. We celebrate those. But as I mentioned a moment ago, we also pray that God would give us blessed families. We pray that God would just speak into each family's life and that they would see the blessing of God. They would see His work in their lives. I think it is so important today that we pray specifically for our families. We should know. That as believers, as individuals who represent the Lord Jesus Christ, we should know that Satan will come at us. And one of the ways in which he will come at us is through our families. He will attack different relationships. He will attack our families themselves. And because of that, I think God has called us to give an extra measure of prayer for our families. I want you to look, if you will, with me today at Psalm 128. Psalm 128, a a very simple psalm, but I think it has great significance for us. I want to just share with you, I think, I think a simple message that you see, but a message which should be significant for all of us as we pray for the family. Psalm 128. The psalmist writes, and he says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord." The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now, Psalm 128, these words that were penned were actually penned in the context of worship. That doesn't surprise you, because when you think about the Psalms, they're all about worship. Psalms, the book itself, is like the handbook or the manual of worship for ancient Israel. In particular, there are 15 psalms, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, 15 psalms that are labeled as the songs of ascent. In other words, these psalms or these songs were used by pilgrims as they would go to worship. They would go to the temple itself or the tabernacle, maybe in the days before the temple. They would go to experience the the very presence of God. And along the way, they would worship. They would sing in all of their journeys. There was also a tradition that these individuals, before they entered into the court of Israel, that they would sing these psalms, or at least take the first line of those psalms, and they would bring it to the Lord in a form of worship. In the temple itself, there were 15 steps or at least there were 15 steps that led from the court of women to the court of Israel. Now, each step, these worshipers would stop and they would just proclaim one of these psalms. Kind of like for us this day, if we were to think about it for a moment, there are, according to Galen Turner, 15 steps that go up these sides. There are 12 and then there are three, I think, that go up there... Hey, JV, I see you up there, way back up in there, to the wall itself. 15, can you think just a moment about stopping and just saying one of these psalms, kind of, as you're entering into the place of worship? Or maybe we ought to reverse it. Some of you, we might ought to see if we can get down a little bit in this call to worship itself. Somebody asked me if Mike Walpole knew what he was doing when he was designing this place in that way. I love Mike. He's not that spiritual. I texted him yesterday. I said, did you do this because there were 15 steps that went from the court of the women to the court of Israel? He said, what? (laughs) Here they were going to worship or at least stopping on these steps or making their pilgrimage to the temple to experience the presence of God. And they're singing, they're worshiping, which is incredible to me. But they're singing and they're worshiping about the blessing of God, especially as it related to their family. Psalm 127 is about the family. Psalm 128 is about the family. So in other words, as they're going, let's put it in our vernacular. Let's think about it in our terms. As they're going to worship, as they're going to church, they're preparing themselves by worshiping, by singing. Specifically, they're giving thanks to God for their family. I think that's incredible. Hey, some of you young families, is that not incredible that you could be in an attitude of worship on your way to church? (laughs) It's a miracle, isn't it? (laughs) Sally texted me yesterday and she said, hey, pictures will be at 8.15 in the morning. I first responded back and said, and how does that affect me? She said, What? 8.15, 8. 15 that means we got to get up early we got I'm thinking how cruel is it to these young families to make them be here at 8: 15 on a Sunday morning Now I'm not saying that they're not up but it's another thing to get everybody ready and get here. We know what a struggle it is but I say to you that even here in Psalm 128 as they went to worship, they had a song upon their lips and they were specifically praising God for the families that he had given them for the children that he had given them psalm 128 is reflective of that but also psalm 128 is a challenge it's not just it's not just a song of worship it's not just a song of adoration It is a challenge, I think, to each worshiper in each family that would enter into the presence of God. In that very first verse, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. The psalmist talks about the blessing that a family can have. The word blessed, whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, doesn't really matter. That word blessed means joyful, Happy, content. Later on in verse 2 where it says, you shall be happy. It's the idea that you shall be blessed. So happy is the person. Joyful is the person. Content is that person. The very first psalm in our book of psalms speaks to the blessedness of walking after God. So in other words, this is a family that we're giving thanks for, but a family that we know needs the joy and the happiness of God. And it challenges us to pray for that joy and that happiness to rest upon families. As joyful as we are this morning as we see these children, we also recognize that there are a lot of families in this community There are a lot of families in this church itself that are facing some difficult days. They would probably come before you and say, it's not the happiest right now. It's not the most joyful. As a matter of fact, it seems that misery itself has descended upon our family. Well, you know what I want to say to you this morning if you come in that situation? There is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this day in this place, we commit to pray for you. And I hope that you will commit to pray specifically for your family. You can know the joy and the happiness as the family itself seeks the Lord and walks after him. So let me, give you, let me give you some very simple suggestions, some simple prayer concerns today, or maybe simple instructions on the way you pray. Let me just give it to you from this passage, okay? If the psalmist says in verse 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his way, then let me ask you to pray that you yourself will be fearful. Now, some of you look at me and say, fearful? Fearful? Frightened? What do you mean by that? You're asking me to pray that I will experience this this fright in my life. Nobody should be frightful. Nobody should be scared about things. Now, I want you to look at the word that's used again in verse 1. In the English translation that I have, it says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Verse 4. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, those of us who have studied the Scripture and you've looked at this word, you recognize it's not about fright. It's not about being scared. But rather, when you look at fear in the Scripture, when you see it defined like this in this psalm, it speaks about standing in awe of the living God. And remember... Proverbs seven, and I think Psalm 128 goes right along with Proverbs 1.7 because Psalm 128 gives us a lot about wisdom, about the way we should live. And Proverbs 1.7 says that the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of this work that we have before God begins with our fear or our standing in awe of God himself, of the Lord. So let me ask you, before you pray for anybody else in the family, pray for yourself. Say, hey, God, it's going to start right here with me. You know, we need to do that in our lives, I think. A lot of times we need to just start right where we are and say, God, I need right now for you to do a work in my life that I am a fearful person in the sense that I stand in awe of you. God, I want to recognize that you are a holy God and you're so different from me. And I I just want just a moment to just dwell in your greatness, in your grandeur. God, I want it to start with me. Pray that you will be fearful in that sense, that you will stand in the awe of God. Pray that you will walk in his ways. Notice that's where the joy comes from. This joy and this contentment does not come on its own. The joy and the contentment that we have as families must come through God himself. God is the source of joy, right? Hey, I believe this. I believe that God is the most joyful being in this universe. Not always as people. I can tell by looking at you this morning. I mean, God is joyful. God is a God of joy. He is a God of blessing. And if you separate yourself from him individually or corporately as a family, you will not see the joy and the contentment you should have. So you pray. You pray for yourself first. Whoever you are in that family unit, you pray. God, start with me right now. God, help me stand in awe. God, help me walk according to your ways. This idea of walking in his ways is the idea of relational living. I want it to start with me. I want to demonstrate relational living in who I am. And every day, I want it to be apparent to my family and to those around me that I am walking with him. I'm living in relationship with him. That means you got to talk with him. Means, you, means you got to pray. Means you got to act obediently. It means each day following him. So whoever you are in the family, you ought to pray that you would be a fearful person. But may I say this in particular: if you are a father or a dad in this place, you have a special responsibility. You have a special responsibility. Notice in verse 4, he specifically said, Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. I think there is the idea that in this passage, the husband or the father is taking that upon himself and praying for himself that he would be fearful before God. He would fear the Lord and that he would walk in his ways. Folks, if we want to see our families have the joy and the blessing that they so deeply need, those families that have a male figure, a husband or father there, it's got to begin with that father or that husband. And I ask you this morning as fellow dads, as fellow husbands, to commit yourself today to pray for yourself that you will stand in the fear of the Lord, and that you will walk in His ways. Notice, though, as you read through this passage, I think there is at least—I I think there's at least the implication that we'll also pray for our spouse. We'll pray for ourselves that we'll be fearful, but we'll pray for our spouse that our spouse will be fruitful. Look in verse three: Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart. Of your house. Now, yes, I think as I study through this, that he's talking about the blessing of children that will come from the spouse, from the wife in particular. I think that's what he's talking about, especially as you understand it in context of Psalm 127. I think 127 and 128 go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, I had told Leslie I was preaching 128, and she said, You sure you're not preaching 127? because I do get off sometimes, and she knows it. I said, no, 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 no. I'm looking at 128. Even though I think 128 and 127 go together, and they do remind us of this theme that we've talked about this morning, the blessing of children. In verse 3 of 127, it said, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So children are blessings. Here in verse 3, of our passage it says one of the ways that you'll experience happiness or joy certainly will be that your wife specifically as he speaks to husbands will be fruitful or they will be a fruitful vine but i think as we pray for our spouse our husband or our wife we want to pray for their fruitfulness in every area. We want them to be a fruitful vine. Specifically here, I think it's talking about a grapevine. Now, I'm not very familiar with horticulture itself or especially growing grapes. Don't have those in the backyard. The deer would eat them. But you've, you've seen maybe these vines that would grow when I was a little bit younger, uh, my mother would take us over to a certain house and we would pick these like muscadines and scupnines and all these kinds of things. You ever heard of anything like that? They don't have them in North Louisiana. I don't think. They do? Not one person in this church has ever brought me that kind of jelly. Ever, ever. I just assumed they must not grow them here. Now I'm hurt. <laughs> but they would take us over their mother would, and you would just... I mean, these vines would just be growing anywhere and everywhere. They were trying to control them. But I mean, it would just be amazing to see these vines and their growth. What if we prayed that God, our wives, our husbands, would be fruitful like the vine? That they would grow, and again, I think in every area. Do you know what it would mean for your spouse if they knew that you were praying for them? If they knew that you were lifting them up when they went out to work, or maybe they you went on a trip, or they went on a trip, or whatever else, they knew that you were praying. Hey, wouldn't you pray that they would be fruitful? They would be fruitful in their jobs. God, help my husband today that he would make the right decisions, that he would show wisdom in the way he related to people. God, I know today that my wife is going to come across a very difficult person. God, I pray that you would give my wife the words that she needs to say. Blessedness, enjoy as our spouses demonstrate fruitfulness in their hearts and lives god make my spouse fruitful but not only in the job not only god help my husband today because i know he's struggling with things i know he's struggling with temptation God, I pray that you would keep him pure. God, I pray that you would protect his testimony. That we pray in our families, specifically for our spouses, that they would be fruitful. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Pray for your spouse in the most intimate way That you can as it relates to the family as it relates to their relationship with others pray again if you move on down this passage it says that also we pray that our children would be faithful notice your children like olive plants all around your table the blessing of your children sitting around the table itself Just like these olive plants. Let me unpack this for a moment if I could. It's one great blessing to just gather the family around a table. Right? Isn't it? I mean, one of the reasons that some of us look forward to holidays is because we know people are coming in. And just kind of gathering around a table together. Seeing family members you haven't seen in some time. Hey, how blessed is it this morning? Some of you may be going to eat after this. Some of you families who've been uh, through this dedication, all those kind of things, just kind of to join together, that moment of excitement, that joy. That's great in and of itself. I kind of like it when we're able as a family, my wife and our kids, to be able to sit at a table in the evenings. We try to do that pretty regularly. Now, with all the different things going on, it's tough, but we still try to commit ourselves to sitting down and eating some meal, eating something together and talking. How was your day? Now, the kids are not always excited about telling us how their day was. but Still some blessing in it. The idea here is that your children would gather around your table, and they would... They would be like little olive sprouts. Olive sprouts. They would demonstrate new life, new growth. And yes, they would demonstrate some type of, well, some type of foundational living. Just like an olive tree that grows up. Think of it, of the olive trees there in Israel that can sustain 20 generations. There are those today that, that claim that there are these olive trees that are there they are at least a 1,000 years old. That's amazing to me, right? Unbelievable that they could sustain this, this length. But what I'm looking at here is it's like your, your kids become like these olive trees gathered around the table. They have a foundation about them. They're growing up. And as I understand it, as I've read, these are cultivated sprouts. So they're not just like seeds that have been planted. These are like cultivated sprouts themselves that are intentional. And they have been given attention to. Looking around, recognizing their blessing, recognizing that they have a foundation, that even... Even when the old tree is cut down, the sprouts continue. The olive trees are still there. We pray for our children, right? That they'd be faithful like these olive trees. That they'd be foundational. That they'd have a root about them. We should pray for our children. In such magnificent ways of faithfulness and listen when we pray for them in that way we're to cult- cultivate them pray that we would show them the right direction and nurture and nourishment to help them grow you know god convicts me i probably convicts you at different times as well but he convicts me about these areas of cultivation for our children and for their faithfulness. It's one thing to pray that they'd be faithful. It's another thing to say, hey, I want to help cultivate them. God, work in my life. I pray that you would help us just nourish them in the right direction. Think of it just a moment, how much we invest in our children and their education. All of us in this place want our children to get the best education, right? We want them to learn to read. And to write, and perhaps one day do an algebra problem correctly. We want them to. We commit time to them. We give them afternoons, maybe, or we hire somebody to help them. I mean, we're concerned about their education. We give all kinds of attention to that. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever we rightly do many of us many of us give a lot of time to instructing our children on how to play sports nothing wrong with that yesterday a lot of us stayed on the field for a very long time well some of you did we exited kind of early thanks to people like the newsom's and the scroggins yeah i'm calling you out i am coaches you didn't show much mercy to this preacher's kid's son and his team easily. I'll talk about you. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I enjoyed it. Let me ask you, parents. And when I ask you this, the question comes right back to me and hits me full in the face. Are we committed just as strongly, if not more strongly, to teach our children God's Word and God's will, God's principles? Are we not just as committed? Are we we not just as heartbroken when they don't know Christ Jesus? Are we just as committed? We got to pray that there'd be the faithful olive trees that would be steady, that would be stable, that can give fruit for, for a long time in their lives. We need to pray that they'd be faithful. I want, I want to complete this by just saying also that we need to pray that our grandchildren will be faithful. F-A-T-E-F-U-L. Faithful. They will live consequential lives. They'll demonstrate things that will truly make a difference for their community and for their city. Listen to the way this benediction wraps things up, okay? You see the way in verse 5 and verse 6, it's like a priestly prayer. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children peace be upon israel may you see your grandchildren now for some of us we haven't gotten to that point in our lives and i'm okay with that i'm wanting things to slow down just a little bit but your grandchildren oh how blessed they are right come on guys ladies i've heard you talk about them you've shown me pictures galore a blessing they are but what if you prayed that those grandchildren would look at their community would live accordingly and make a difference for their specific city for their specific context that they would literally live lives that are fateful that are consequential that it that somehow makes a difference you see, it says, yeah, one of these days the blessings that you have as you walk after him and seek him is that you'll see your grandchildren. It'll be a great blessing for you. But notice it's in the context that the city of Jerusalem, that, that Israel itself would experience peace, that it would experience the work of God. That, that's the context of this. So in other words, it's kind of like your grandchildren is going to make a difference one day. And pray that they would. Pray that your children would. Yes, that they'd stand as olive trees that have a foundation, that have roots, and they'd give forth fruit. But pray as God blesses the legacy of your family that one day your grandchildren will go forth and they'll, and they'll impact the city in such a mighty and specific way that you will be able to give praise and honor to God. When I was at Pine Grove Baptist in Picayune some years ago, we were kind of like a family church. There were two families. Wonderful families, the Seals and the Stewarts. They pretty much dominated the church. Yeah, probably loyal some of your family to be honest. Right across the river. Every year we'd have something called like homecoming. Some of you've been in those churches where you had like homecoming. It's a big deal. Except we didn't call ours homecoming. Seriously, we called ours the Seal Stewart Reunion. <laughs> I mean, it was on all our publications. It would go out in the newsletter. The Seal Stewart Reunion. Every October, we'd come together. Now, when I was there, some of the non Seal Stewarts, it was kind of tough for them to come to Homecoming if it's a Seal Stewart Reunion. You know, they talked to me about it, especially the way we did awards. When you came in to the homecoming, we'd have some singing, some of that kind of stuff. Always have food because we're Baptists. We always would eat. But then they'd give forth these awards. The oldest seal man. The youngest seal man. The oldest Stuart lady. The oldest steward by marriage lady. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then we'd get to the third category of non-seal stewards. I still have a certificate somewhere along the line where Abigail got the youngest non-seal Stewart present at the seal steward reunion. Before I left, we changed it. I talked to some of these families and I said, hey, we got more people coming in the church. God's blessing us. And it's kind of, it's hard for them to get involved and get excited about a seal steward reunion. So, you know, could we change it? And, oh, very gracious people. I mean, very gracious, good people. Now, I'm to always look at the positive. So when people would come to me and they'd say, hey, we got to do something about this. We just can't. The positive side of this is, how amazing is it that these families have been so committed through these years to God's kingdom and God's church here that their names are synonymous with the church and with what God's doing? I said, now, don't get me wrong. We're going to change it. We're going to work because we want to welcome people in. We want to make sure that they know they're part of who we are. But just for a moment, stop and think of the blessing of this legacy and these families. It's not only been grandmother or granddaddy, but it's been the next generation and the next generation Who have impacted this community. Wouldn't we all pray that our grandchildren would live such fateful lives that they would make a difference? Let's say in Ruston, in Louisiana, in the cities that dot this nation and beyond. But we got to pray. To know the joy and the blessing, we need to pray. We need to pray right in the beginning for ourselves. God, make us fearful people. Help us to stand in awe of you. Help us to walk with you. God, we pray our spouses would be fruitful in their lives. We pray, Lord, that our children would be faithful. God we pray that our eventual grandchildren our grandchildren that we have now that they would live faithful lives impacting their communities and only then will we know the true joy of Christ in our families would you commit yourself today to pray for the family Pray for the family and expect his work and his blessing. Let's pray together. Father, we give praise and thanks to you for all that you've already done. God, I pray this morning that you would challenge us and that you would call us forth to, yes, give thanks, but also to commit ourselves personally. Lord, I pray that commitment would not be just from these folks who stood before us this morning, but a commitment would mark every one of our lives. A commitment to pray for our families. God, this morning... I pray that you would enhance the joy of those families that have already experienced that grace and that joy. Father, for those that are going through this difficult, miserable time, I pray that you would descend upon that household, that you would show your comforting and loving spirit there, Lord, and that you would guide them and help them as they seek you. Mend our families. Bless your work in our homes. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning?